Welcome to the In Squash podcast, and today I'm going to keep this uh, intro short uh, but sweet. Uh, this is our second uh, episode of the PSA Super Series Finals here in Dubai, uh, the second episode of our theme week. Uh, the first one was Marcos Kern and Gustavo Neto from uh, Interactive Squash. Episode two, Lee Drew, one of the, uh, the four illustrious voices of PSA Squash uh, TV and uh, amongst other uh, things, uh, but uh, he's uh, in Dubai on behalf of PSA Squash TV. He'll be commentating on the, uh, the, the women's side of things, and he comes on to the podcast today to talk about just that and a little bit more. So enjoy today's podcast. All right. Uh, well, today on the podcast, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the week, it's a uh, Super Series uh, Dubai Finals uh, theme week. And uh, we're lucky to have on uh, Lee Drew, one of the uh, PSA Squash TV uh, voices, the commentator for the women's side of the events. Uh, he's also a national junior coach of England, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, reached a career high of 45 himself as a player. And... Uh, uh, referee and refereeing director, I believe, for PSA Squash, and in my, uh, for my money, the best voice uh, uh, amongst the crew. Lee, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast. Hi, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I sound very busy, that's for sure. From well, you're that wearing, a few, wearing a few hats, but that, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, of course. I, I think the main thing is as long as I can, I can have an, a positive impact in what I do, then that's the main thing, really. And um, they actually all work very well together in in the sense that they actually complement my learning about the game. Absolutely. Yeah. What I was just wondering. Um, I just stumbled upon this. You're you're the uh, refereeing director for the PSA. Now that that's kind of an interesting role, and probably a role that maybe some of us might not have realized existed. Uh, what what does it entail? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one that, um, that can take a bit of flack uh, from, <laughs> from people watching or from players or from referees, I guess, sometimes. But I think, I think the, main, the main sort of thing that I've done with that is, is we, we obviously, as the PSA, there's a mission statement in terms of everyone works together to, to get the game flowing and as watchable as possible for the, for the audience. <laughs> and I think what's what's great is the players have bought into that massively and mm. so have the referees. And what I've tried to do is actually just bring the two parties slightly closer together. I think before there might not have been quite so much communication between players and referees. So there wasn't necessarily an understanding of, of what was wanted or, or what we were looking for. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of worked with referees and at tournaments, we, we have daily meetings where we look at clips from the previous day and we sort of discuss what's happening and maybe where things went well, where things could be worked on, um, what we're noticing, um, good examples of, of situations. And then, and then obviously sometimes we'll sort of players might come in or the other commentators may come in and um, basically just have these, these sort of get togethers where we can work on, on improving, you know, what, what is a very tough area to, to actually manage and officiate. Um, so, so it's about it's basically about bringing everyone together and and trying to get a clear line of thinking, less grey areas, and um, and hopefully the game more viewable. And I think actually the British Open was a really good example of that. And I thought there was great credit to 
to the players, especially because you know they were going through looking to play as much as possible. They were looking to to clear as much as possible, and it made for some very exciting and entertaining and brilliant viewing. No, for sure. I mean, there, there's a huge difference uh, with this new with this generation of players and the previous generation. Not to take anything away from the previous generation, because it, it is, as they say, it is what it is, or it was was it what it was. But uh, I mean, the new the guys nowadays, like you said, they 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 try to play the ball. They you know there isn't as much uh, fishing for for strokes these days. And when there is, it just seems as though there's uh, the recourse to address it uh, with the the appeal referee. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be contentious moments. I guess that adds to the excitement of the game. Um, you know, well, that, that's one fun. thing that, that is missing is, uh, you know, the that, that uh, you know, the Jonathan Power uh, drama <laughs> who existed back in the day. I mean, there was nothing quite like that. Uh, but uh, right. you had to deal with that, obviously, because it became uh, became a problem, really. Yeah, of course, but he's also a very charismatic character and um, there's only one Jonathan Power and, you know, he did a massive amount for the game as well, didn't he? So for sure. I think I think you just get different generations, you get different characters that emerge. Um, they sort of entertain in slightly different ways and I think this lot, they they really sort of let the attacking squash do the talking. I mean, it's mm. for me, it's so attacking and and dynamic at the moment and there's an incredible pace that's going on and there's no sort of settling down period in a match and that's one of the sort of the, the big changes you know you can't go in there and start sparring up and down the sidewall one loose shot and all of a sudden you're <laughs> having to fly into the front corners and having to cover those front corners and yeah. um, can be clinging on for dear life and the the sort of the ability to convert is now massive as well with the modern era of player yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I did notice, uh, 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 it became sort of a, apparent in the, the British Open final there with uh, Miguel and uh, uh, Mohammed, the, the, when the floor wiping, uh, is that something that, that you address? Uh, you know, when should a player uh, have the right to uh, wipe up the floor and, and when should a player uh, should just sort of uh, wipe it up with his foot himself? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is, and it's it's something that's in the hands of the referee, really. The referee has to judge whether there is a cause or a need for the floor to be wiped. Um, you know, if both players agree that it's dangerous and needs to be wiped, then then obviously the referee will agree to that. It's, it's really down to the situation, to whether, whether to, you know, interpret whether there's sort of a tactical ploy in terms of getting a bit of a break or whether there's a genuine danger there. And it's a very tough thing for referees to read because obviously you have to quite often err on the side of safety. So it's definitely something that is in a referee's mind and something that they consider. Yeah. And then obviously it's, it's a tough call whether they allow the, the floor to be wiped or not in situations where a player does look fatigued or there's been some really tough rallies and, and you know, there's a, there's a break required. So it, it's just a case of using a bit of common sense, um, trying to assess the situation and then reading whether the floor actually does need it or not. Yeah, I always thought, uh, I mean, I've been a squash player since I was young and uh, I, can, I can remember this one match in particular that I had way, way back and uh, I needed a bathroom break. But there was no, there's no such thing as a bathroom break in, in squash. I think it's pretty harsh uh, in that regard, don't you think? 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess you have to um, you have to judge it right, then you have to time it right, and then yeah, if you've got time in between games, run off. So quite often, you know, you might see a player after after the warm up disappear off, and and that might be a time when they could could be. But yeah, I, game, I just remember thinking I, I could have done that, but the, you know, the bathroom was probably a minute away from the the venue where where or where we were on the court, but. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, we're better off just taking a bit of a penalty for for being a bit late on back on the court. I would guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, take those chances. You you got to ju- make the judgment at the time. But uh, I digress. You have to move on the court. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're on your way to uh, Dubai, Lee, and um, uh, we're looking forward to having you here. I, hopefully, I get to see you. Uh, I'll be at the opening uh, tomorrow. Oh, excellent. Is. so uh what do you uh, what do you have on tap uh, leading up to uh, the start of play on tuesday well um so fly later on this evening so actually landing quite early which is great um obviously meet up with the fellow co-commentators so the um joe barrington paul johnson vanessa atkinson and myself um so we'll spend a bit of time together we'll go over you know, different things, have a look at the schedule and what have you. Obviously, uh, Joey and PJ will be looking after the men's game and myself and Vanessa will be predominantly doing the women's. Um, so so we'll, you know, discuss what we think and, and what we're looking forward to and things like that and a few little talking points. Um, I've also got a meeting with the referees. Um, the referees out there are John Mazzarella, Boy Gingell and Damien Green. So very experienced Motley Crew. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll meet up with them tomorrow evening before the the opening dinner, and we'll just sort of just go through, you know, what's what's happened over the last few months, what we've been noticing at tournaments, and and looking forward to what we're what we're going for 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 this tournament. And then in terms of my preparation, um, you know, I'll just have a I'll have a little look at the draws. Um, See, see what I fancy and then obviously look at, at remind myself of what happened last year etc and then um, settle down to what should hopefully be a great tournament at the Emirates Golf Club. Yeah absolutely it's going to be great the the women's game this year has been very uh very good uh <laughs> you've got obviously you've got Norel Shabini at number one uh, Reneem's been playing really well at two and uh Norel Tayeb uh, had a great season, and then you have several others uh, who are contending as well. Um, what what's been uh, the most pleasant uh, surprise for you this year in terms of the women's game? Well, I just think it's it's going from strength to strength, and you know it's it's just a great spectacle to watch nowadays. There's there's a whole host of contenders, but there has been for the last couple of seasons. So. Yeah. I think I think there's been sort of seven or eight contenders for titles and for, sure. for major scalps. But where the game's moved on this this last year is that group of eight is now bringing a whole load up in behind as well that are starting to, to knock on the door and cause a lot of problems. So you're starting to see tougher matches earlier on in tournaments and there's very few easy rounds players and and that's the great thing and that's the big difference I think I think in terms of the game this last year and a half two years I think you've obviously been seeing great attacking squash there's a cohort of young Egyptian players that that are very attacking 
and it's meant that the established experienced players, you know, the likes of your Camille Serms, your Lauren Soros, your Nicole Davids, Joel Kings, they've had to massively adapt to to deal with that and they've changed their games and it just makes for very entertaining squash. And then, you know, you throw into the mix your, your Sarah Jane Perry's, people like Tesney Evans causing massive upsets. They're obviously um, Amanda Sobe coming back into the mix, Olivia Blatchford, another American that's yeah. contending and playing, playing some really good squash. And there's a whole host of stuff going on um, that's really exciting. And someone like Sarah Jane Perry, who's obviously in, in Dubai for the second time now, yeah. she's, she's also a player that can, can literally beat anyone on a day in the world. So I think what makes it exciting is the fact that, you know, you've got a group of young Egyptians that, that are very, very strong. And then you've got a load of other players that are adapting and that, that group is bringing with it a, a whole load of, of improvements right the way through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I uh, interviewed Sarah Jane. I had her on my podcast a while back and I really hadn't um, seen her play much. And over since then, I've seen her play. She's, uh, I mean, she's one of the best attacking, attacking players out there. She's got shots uh, from everywhere. She's great hold. Plays the plays the ball to the front of the court naturally, uh, and then you've like you mentioned you have Tesney uh, coming on as well, and Camille has a just a very strong basic fundamental game, and um, it, it's really looking uh, exciting for the next uh, few years to come. Yeah, I mean it's it's brilliant, isn't it? Especially when you've got players like the two you mentioned who are very skillful players as well they are shot makers they, they are clinical in converting their opportunities and it, it just builds the brand of the game more and more and I think obviously we're going to see them established for quite a few years especially when sort of the others the others retire and move on as the game progresses or as years advance so I think what is great is that you know, there, there's, there is a golden era of players, but as they go, I think their places will, will be filled. Um, it obviously takes time to establish yourself as, as one of those kinds of players, but, but there are very positive signs for the game. For sure. Uh, and just looking, I know the, the women's side is what you've been, what you focus on in squash TV, but uh, the men uh, sort of been, had been a bit more predictable, but uh, look at the British Open and look at what happened there uh, with Miguel uh, coming through and winning and uh, a guy like Rafael Candra uh, uh, doing what he did. Um, it, it also looks as if it could, you could have the similar uh, um, group of guys coming on to challenge the the regulars at the at the top of the game yeah I guess people always step up don't they so you know things happen and and surprises happen and two of the biggest tournaments in the game the tournament champions obviously in New York saw Simon Rosner come from nowhere to win it who's obviously seeded fourth for the World Series finals yeah um which, which is great for the game and then you know another underdog Miguel Ankel Rodriguez obviously coming through and winning the British Open. And I think the fact that things like that are happening just shows that you can't rest on your laurels and, and just expect predictability from sports, even when you've got performers like your Mohamed El Shabagi and Ali Farag, who have just been in magnificent form throughout the season. Yeah. That there's always that vulnerability and there's always that capability of, of players that are just very high-quality professional athletes 
to to cause these kinds of upsets. Um, so I think I think the game, you know, yes, it has been slightly more predictable. Yes, you've got some performers that are very consistent. In obviously, Mohamed Al Shabagi when he gets it right and is physically on it is very tough to be. Ali Farag just plays some wonderful adaptive squash with a lot of finesse. Um, Marwan El Shabagi just so streetwise and, and yeah. clever and has stepped it up having got himself a few finals, obviously converted in Elguna and got his first World Series win. So he's just established himself. Um, and you've got Tarek Moman who's also becoming more and more consistent. So the top four in the world now comprises four Egyptians. Yes. Um, but, but the fact, which is historic and is, is testimony to, to what the country is delivering. But then you've also got your Greg Gaultier's, your old stalwarts, who, who are performing magnificently and who can forget Nick Matthew retired himself at the British Open. And um, he's got a bit of a lifeline getting into yeah. this. And um, I mean, I, I said sure. on the podcast the other day, I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if he got, if he uh, took advantage of this opportunity and won the Super Series final? He well, still, he still uh, looks pretty, pretty strong, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, gonna, he's always going to be there or thereabouts. And, and as soon as he got the call and knew that Marwan El Shabagi was having to pull out because of his hamstring injury, I think he'd have been getting himself ready. And he's obviously in Mauritius playing, playing an exhibition tournament or has been. So he's, he's still been ticking over. And um, I don't think anyone can underestimate Nick Matthew, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, now, I just wanted to ask you, you know, speaking of um, you know, people who sort of been in the game for a while and, and legends of the game, uh, Nicole David, um, now she obviously, what a, an incredible career and what she's done for squash and for women's squash is, uh, you know, you can't question anything about that. Uh, do you see her um, maybe making a making a, a sort of a turnaround in her she had a little bit of a uh, she's fallen in the rankings a bit do you see her turning that around maybe next year yeah i think um i think we're going to see someone who's who's always up for the challenge obviously she's suffered with a few more injuries than maybe she's been used to she hasn't really had injuries throughout her career she's been very lucky with that and she's had a few niggles over the last season or so mm-hmm. but i think what what you'll notice and if you actually look at it her losses are always very toughly contested tight affairs they're never she's she's not really getting chopped quickly so she's always there or thereabouts yeah and i don't see that changing and maybe her confidence is down because she hasn't got the wins that she probably needed um but there's there's no reason why she can't have a bit of a break you know let her body recover good summer training and then come back and and cause players a lot of problems and the the shift in mentality for her is the fact that she's obviously been hunted for so long yes um you should actually now probably be able to relax a bit as the underdog and actually start to to hunt down and try and get some scalps off these top players that have got themselves above her so i think i think once she sort of looks at it and she realizes how close she's been in all the matches she's lost I think she'll obviously, she'll realise that she's still there or thereabouts. So I don't think it's something for us to worry about in terms of us losing that kind of player just yet off the, off the world tour. Right. Uh, it could be just a case of her not being, uh, not quite yet used to uh, having to, to, to fight for, the, for these wins. You know, she, she sort of uh, had it, I wouldn't say easy, but she, she, you know, she, had, she dominated the game 
for so long, and now she's uh, on the other end of it. Well, she had a massive aura and a, and a huge presence on, on the court, didn't she? And she had an air of in, invincibility about her. And obviously, once you start to lose a few matches, then people start to realize that, that you're human and they can sort of, they, they start to go for it and believe that they can win. And it does change the dynamics. It does shift the thinking. And it's something that, that has to be adapted to, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's uh, a nice problem to have, though, isn't it? To have been the oh, dominant sure. one. For I, mean, I don't know what that feels like, but I imagine it's pretty good. Well, I mean, she dominated for so long. She has nothing uh, to prove. Uh, so now this sort of may- maybe gives her another lease on, on her career, so to speak. She can sort of start anew almost. Yeah, I'm sure she'll, she'll want to enjoy, you know, her career on the PSA World Tour. But she's also a winner and she'll want to be winning. Absolutely. Um, now, before uh, before we go, I'm just looking at. I've got the women's draw or the groupings here in front of me. In Group A, we've got uh, El, El Sherbini, Nor El Sherbini, uh, Nor El Taib, Joel King, Nor El Gohar. I think in Group A, and then El, El Wilili, Macero, Sarum, and Perry in Group B. Uh, now, if I, uh, I'm not, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to have to say uh, it's going to be tough, but. Uh, Perhaps uh, El Tayeb might take Group A, and um, I was really impressed with El Walili. She reminds me she she has a lot of similarities. Uh, she plays a little bit like um, Amr Shabana, the way she she moves around. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that, but uh, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, she's like the female equivalent of Shabana, and she's just um, so smooth out there. Really yeah, you can't really give anyone any bigger praise or plaudits, can you, than, than that comparison. So, yeah. I mean, she's magnificent to watch. She's really hard to beat when she's in that kind of form. Yeah. Um, I she mean, has I mental think, lapses, though, doesn't she? Um, yeah, well, she, she can be. I don't, it's, it's tough to put your finger on it, isn't it? Because obviously she's trying and she's completely focused and, and probably can't put a finger on, on the blips sometimes herself. But I think she probably, you know, I don't know, she always comes across as very confident and, and what have you, but we all have nerves and, and maybe they get to her sometimes or, or yeah. maybe it's just about that, you know, it looks like the game becomes so easy to her at times that perhaps she takes on shots that, that, uh, really difficult and gets her into a bit of trouble. I'm not sure. It's 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 tough to put a finger on, but it's something that she'll definitely be be aware of and just be looking for that consistency. But what I would say, in all fairness to her and and credit to her, is that this has been a very consistent season for Renee Mulvaney. Obviously, it's a season where she's become she's become world champion, but she's also won some some serious majors. So she's she's established herself at two in the world she's obviously got Noel Shabini who's magnificent just in front of her and I just think um you know I think she's done really well at getting herself consistent so maybe she might lose that nickname of the enigma (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah yeah well I I can either see her I mean I was really impressed with uh Camille Serum as well in, in the in the British Open I thought she you know she she lost obviously in the I think it was was it the semi uh final um yeah yeah yes yeah. yeah. she's very strong and very uh you know she's headstrong as well uh, she has a great game um and she could give anyone uh, trouble on any day 
Yeah, definitely. But all eight of them can, can't they? Whoever. Yeah, yeah it's tough to get, pick. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, whoever's got their preparation right since the British Open coming into this could potentially win the tournament, couldn't they? You know, Joel King is a Commonwealth gold medalist. Laura Massaro is a defending champion who got to the semi-finals of the British Open and was showing some good form. She won't want to give this title up. She's won it two times in a row. Um, Nora Shabini. Laura Massaro, yeah. Yeah, you've got Renee Melvalili and Nora Shabini who are consistently getting to finals. And then you've got Nora Tayeb who's, who's very securely j- just in behind those two. Um, who's also come through and won two major tournaments this season. You know, she won in Chicago, having been on the brink, goodness knows how many times, and she won the US Open. So, yeah, I just, it's just so hard to pick who's going to win this. I mean, if you asked me, I'd probably go Noel Shabini and Renee Walili to to contest another final, but that's me going with statistics and and what's been happening throughout the season. It's, It's not necessarily going on what could happen because I think in terms of predictability, it's really tough because the players are so close and difficult to split them. Is it, uh, I was just thinking this, I know in other sports, maybe not so much, uh, ten, uh, maybe not so much tennis, but in other sports in these kind of season ending events, uh, do the players take these events as seriously as other events? I think so. I think so. I think, um, because it's, it's such a good spectacle, you know. I think it's yeah. it's always in a wonderful location. It's obviously something that everyone's worked towards getting to. There's there's good there's good prize on prize money on offer. Um, there's a prestigious title now because it means you're the you know you're the champion at the end of the season of the whole season's accumulation of of tournaments. So actually the players see this as the last major before a summer break and then there's there's a clean summer break after this so i think you know you can make no bones about it every single one of these players would love to come here and would love to walk away champion absolutely yeah i, I agree I, I i know in some in some sports like for example uh, american football they they have the all-star game but no, no one really plays uh, uh it's sort of like an exhibition not a yeah, I mean, that's just a slightly different format, isn't it? Because they have their combination with the, the Super Bowl or whatever, and then they have this exhibition. It would be like us putting together two all-star teams yes. and them competing. You know, that would be a bit more like an exhibition. But this is, this is every player, man and woman, going head-to-head yeah. in, their, in their respective groups and looking to see who can emerge victorious. I mean, obviously, the fact that it's best of three in the, in the group well, that, that's gonna that could uh, be the per the, the person who's ready to adjust to the best of three format that might uh, determine the winner whoever, whoever has the best game suited to that format yeah definitely i mean it's something that you, you need to adapt to and you need to you need to get good starts because you can't afford to let your opponent go one love one love up easily because obviously then you know you lose one more and you're out so it just keeps everyone really focused and concentrated on on performing well, and it just means they've got a ridiculous intensity for a slightly short, shorter period of time. Yeah. Well, uh, Lee, uh, just before you go, thanks for your time. Um, just uh, wondering, uh, what do you have any R and R planned while you're in Dubai, or is it all business? Um, I mean, I have any golf I haven't... planned. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I know one person that would definitely be on the golf course, and that would be PJ. He'll definitely get himself a few moments. Um, my R&R time will probably come from maybe the odd hour by the pool. Right on, yeah. So I'm guessing that's where I'm going to get a bit of, bit of rest and recuperation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're in the midst of your, your graduate study, so you, uh, you'll need to sort of do some reading and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, just to add to my, my <laughs> list of things to do. No, I've, I've pretty much finished it. I've been working really hard these last couple of days, uh, pulling out a few ridiculous all-nighters to try and, try and get it done. So I've almost cleared my desk on that. Right on. Well, uh, it, it, it's not reflected in the quality of your commentary, that's for sure, Lee. Uh, and it, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast and uh, looking forward to, uh, to this week and uh, hopefully get to see you at the event. Yeah, um, it's been a pleasure and hopefully I will get to see you and then obviously want everyone to be able to enjoy what's going to be a great tournament in Dubai and the brilliant series finale. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Lee. Uh, safe travels. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Lee, and thanks everyone for listening. Uh, tomorrow's the opening ceremony. I'm uh, planning on being there, and we'll see what happens. Uh, many of the players, or probably all of the players, will be there, and uh, hopefully I can uh, have some time to speak with a few of them and some of the organizers uh, in what would be sort of a more of an informal type of podcast. So we'll see how it plays out. And uh, hopefully we'll have something for you uh, after the opening ceremonies tomorrow. So everyone, thanks for listening. And again, thanks to Lee Drew uh, for coming on to the podcast today. That was great stuff. Goodbye now.